Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hello, motherfuckers, and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We're not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you happen to be listening at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, April 17th, uh, isn't there some kind of Ides of... Oh, no, no, that's March. Anyway, uh, 2021 at dnrstudios.com. The only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen on any other platform, please, for God's sakes, leave us your ratings and reviews. Um, we did get a couple new reviews after my last big plea, but uh, I want more. Email me anything, most especially pictures of your penis, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your ass merch, T-shirts, tank tops, even pumpkin spice poppers. <laughs> which I still haven't tried. The link to all that is adamsank.com. And remember to leave us a voicemail. Call us up, 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. And you know what? My ass does talk. It has a lot to say. It says, feed me, Seymour. <laughs> feed me now. Uh, hold on. I'm getting a text from someone, and it's very professional. I'm checking it. It okay. says that. Uh, thank you. Actually, I do not fart. Hmm. Ever? Very, very rarely. And yeah, when I just do, belch. they're silent but deadly. I belch constantly. Yes. Isn't it amazing I don't belch on the air? It's the only time in my life when I'm not burping is, every five seconds. It's a magic moment. It must be psychological. Anyway, that uh, person that uh, you that heard chiming in with these person. fabulous comments happens to be the one and only Ryan Frost Pig. Welcome, Ryan. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Adam. Here I am. Here you are. Oh, Ryan's still in charge of the soundboard, so he's uh, This is like the greatest thing He's like a ever pig happened. in a playpen. Truly. <laughs> truly. And I have not showered today, so I am in true mm, pee form. I'm happy to say I don't smell you this time. But um, I haven't worn deodorant in over a year. That's disgusting. Actually, probably longer. Uh, my heart goes out to your boyfriend. He loves it. Um, but also <laughs> joining us is the always freshly showered and clean-smelling J.B. Bercy. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome, J.B. Hey, the the soon-to-be-newly-domiciled yeah. J.B. Bercy. Because today's the day I'll be getting my keys and my lease. Because she's moving on up to, the, well, to, to East, East Flatbush. <laughs> yes. Oh to a deluxe apartment yeah. with lots of comic books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, we're going to start today. Oh, I have to tell you about our guest. This is very exciting. We have on the show today our fourth Rue girl. 
Yes. I was doing a count. We've had Bianca Del Rio. Mm-hmm. We've had Peppermint. Mm-hmm. We've had Honey Davenport, mm-hmm. who stuck her tongue in my mouth. And that's all. Mm-hmm. And today we have Yuha Hamasaki. Yes. Tell the listeners uh, about Yuha, Ryan. What, what season um, is she, she on? And... Yuha is from the 10th season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, she is a New York City queen. And I will be conducting this interview Yes. For the first time ever. Ryan will solely be conducting the interview, and he came up with all the questions. I'm moving on up. This is an interesting experiment, and I can't wait to see how this turns out. I can't wait to see how this turns out. Um, So, yeah, so that's coming a little later in the show. But first, uh, I want to ask both of you a question, and I had to think about this myself. How many close friends would you say you have? Hmm. I would say— And this can include family members. I would say, f- it, you mean cl- like close or like best? Like people that you could turn to in a crisis and you know they'd be there for you. I would say five. JB? That's a lot. I got three. I would say about five, too. Yeah. Maybe six. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about a similar story once. We did a story a couple years ago about um, how many actual friends you can have Mm -hmm. because on social media, you know, some of us have thousands of friends and it's just clearly impossible to to have relationships with thousands of people. But uh, a new study by a mathematician in England has found that basically the number of like actual friendships you can have, including blood relatives, is about 150. Mm. Um, now they're not all close friends, but they're all people that like, if you asked them, they would say, yeah, he's my friend. Yeah. And if you were having like a huge party or let's say a wedding and you wanted to invite all of your friends about 150, unless you were, uh, you know, filthy rich and you were having a wedding of thousands, 150 is about the number that you could actually have some kind of relationship with. But within that 150, he found there are various tiers of friendship quality. Most people have five people in their inner circle who are intimate friends who donate a kidney to you. Hmm. This next line I found kind of surprising. They have 12 to 15 supportive friends who would be dismayed by your death. (laughs) Now, I happen to think a lot more than 15 would be dismayed. Dismayed. If any of us died. A choice word. Um, I mean – I'd like to think there's at least a hundred people who would be, you know, kind of devastated if yeah. I died. First of all, DNR will be in shambles if I die. Okay, I am the only person holding okay. this bitch up. That's right. Okay, you better not die. Um, okay, so twelve to fifteen who would be dismayed by your death. Fifty who would who would attend an annual gathering like your birthday party, but not say a dinner party. Okay. Dinner party, I know the answer because I had a dinner party for my birthday with all my closest friends, and it was about twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have liked to have had more, but, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, the remainder and the majority of most people's friends are acquaintances, people that you interact with at places like weddings, social reunions, and the like. You know, th- I'm so glad we're doing this story because I actually have been thinking about this a lot, especially during the pandemic. I would say pre-pandemic, I had about 150 friends plus you know, especially you have be, a lot of friends. But, well, especially like you know, the past several years being in the chorus, you know, every year you have at least what three hundred people that are right. like surrounded. So I, I would say I, before the pandemic, I had a lot of friends. 
during the pandemic, I really have tried to focus my attention and energy on the most important people in my life. Your boyfriend and your dog. And, and but no, and you and, you know, Allie and Derek and all my other friends, but like the, the close friends, the people you would donate a kidney for, those are the people that like I'm really trying to focus on now as opposed to the acquaintances and the tier two people. It's just, they're there, they're great, but I think now it's like the people that are most important really are the ones that, you know, because we don't get to see everyone. No, it's true. And then social media makes it even more confusing because yeah. I, I have relationships on social media with people that I never see. Yeah. And yet I interact with them sometimes on a daily basis. Yeah. I have friends from high school that comment on all my posts and I comment on their posts and I feel like we're connected. Right. But some of them I haven't seen in 20 years or longer. Well, and I have not been on Facebook really in months. No. And so I am completely disconnected from that world. You know, there's birthdays I've missed, there's events I've missed, there's, you know, just people that I, I, I haven't heard from because they only hear from me or communicate or contact, you know, through Facebook. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And by the way, just a social uh, uh, public service announcement. <clears throat> if you're one of those people who's just going to suddenly disappear from social media, leave one last post. That says, hey, guys, I'm okay. Everything's fine. I'm just not going to be on this site for a while. I'm taking a break. Because when you just disappear after being an active poster, it's very worrisome. I, Why? No one cares. Like, no, I is, care. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to put it in full perspective for you. This is why I haven't – this is why I've learned social media and why I haven't been posting. Because I was one of those people who posted every day, every single day about mm -hmm. things stuff. No one fucking cared when I disappeared over three years ago. No I, one got care. I see you every other week. If I if I didn't if I didn't know that you were alive and well, I would totally care. I reach out to people all the time and say, "You have not been on Facebook in months. Are you okay?" I just did this with Jeff Hiller. Yeah. Our friend the actor Jeff Hiller who's been on the show before, I wanted to book him and I realized he hadn't posted to any of his First of all, he had no more Facebook page and he hadn't posted to Instagram in like months and I was like, holy shit, did Jeff Hiller get COVID? Like I got really concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I emailed him. He's like, I'm fine. I'm just taking a break. I'd love to do the show again. So he's going to be on soon. But, and he's an example of someone who like, we're not close friends, but I think he's a great guy. I care about him. I, I want him to be okay. And I enjoy when I get to talk to yeah, him. Yeah. I, I somewhat agree with you that like, it is considerate to just be like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking some time to myself, whatever. But I think the reason that I didn't do that is because I've also seen people be like, this, this is too much and I'm, I'm taking a break. Well, and yeah. then like a you week later, dramatic yeah, yeah. It. And then a week later, they're like, they're posting random shit again. So we I, know people who do that. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> um, or when people are like, um, I'm finally back. And it's like, I didn't know you were, gone. I know. but, but it depends on who you, yeah. yeah, there's certain people that always pop up on my social media, like the same 20 people over and over again. And right. I'm sure it's the way my algorithm is set up, but when I don't see one of those people for a while and I go, oh, I wonder what happened to – I wonder if that person's okay. And then I see their last post was like in December of 2020 and I'm like, fuck, especially now. Especially yeah. now with COVID. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that you're okay. Yeah. So just be, be considerate. And uh, mm -hmm. JB, I would very much miss you if you were to suddenly disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Much appreciated. Thank you. Meanwhile, bad news for size queens <laughs> – not that there are any of them in this room. Mm -mm. Uh, I think oh, I was say, I think me and Ryan were, but I guess it's just me. I'm not a size queen. Uh, well, no, I'm not a size queen. As having a fat ass, if it's not eight inches or bigger, it's not getting past these cakes. <laughs> 
just I'm had, kind of the same. Like, no offense. So I, I tried the small dick There's niggas. There's something happening with men in the ass. There certainly is. I, I'm not a size queen. I don't, I don't, I can't take a huge cock. Mm-hmm. I really can't. Not for more than like a minute or two. But I, I don't want a tiny cock. Right. I want like something that's like a decent seven or eight inches with some girth. Listen, if you're lacking in one department, I want you to overcompensate in another. Or well, just that's be me. I have, very... I have a mediocre cock and a great ass. Right. Or just be really skilled at something. <laughs> just bring <laughs> something to the table. Be a great cocksucker. Yes. Some of the best blowjobs I've gotten have been from guys I was not the least bit attracted to. Oh, my to. God. Sorry. I have to just mention this. On I, I saw on Twitter a Twitter profile, um, Tiny Dick Daddy, and he has a one-inch erect An dick. angry inch. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure he's got people that are totally into it. He just, he just taps it. Yeah, there are people who are into everything. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, uh, the bad news is pollution is shrinking our dicks. <gasps> According to a leading great, epidemiologist and environmental scientist, Dr. Shauna Swan, which is also my new drag name, penises around the world are shrinking and pollution is to blame. She... Uh, published a paper called How Our Mo- This is a long title. How Our Modern World is Threatening Sperm Counts, Altering Male and Female Reproductive Development, and Imperiling the Future of the Human Race. Wow. That's part of her new book, Countdown. The, the, they think the reason are these chemicals that large companies are using to manufacture plastic. Plastic is so bad for the it really environment. Is. Um, they are having an impact on hormone, h- hormonal balance and in turn penis size. And those chemicals are also found in cosmetics, toys, food, and pharmaceuticals. Um, she tested her theory by exposing rats to the chemical pathalite, P-H-T-H. How do you pronounce that? P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E. Pathalite. And she noted that their rat babies were born with smaller than normal genitals, and reportedly that has the same effect on human babies. So it's not that our dicks are getting smaller. It's that the next generation is going to have smaller dicks. And that, frankly, makes me happy because then my dick will be considered like a giant. I mean, a baby being born today when he gets to be <laughs> an adult, he's going to look at my old dick and be like, ooh, that's pretty big. It just makes me it – just, it just reinforces the statement, don't date younger guys. Unless you're a top. She says yeah. that uh, this is happening with sperm count too. And she posits that by 2045, humanity will hit a count of zero sperm count if things continue as they are. That is a dire warning. That's some Handmaid's Tale shit. Honey. So we need to stop with the plastic. And, uh, and one thing that's so easy to do, stop buying bottled water. There is no reason to be – those plastic bottles – no, I know the coffee cup, but – and you can recycle. But the problem is those those bottles of water are heavy, and so even the the fuel that is used to transport them, you know, to transport thousands and thousands of bottles of water requires thousands and thousands of gallons of gas. You're right. But you but know – For someone who doesn't live in, uh, I guess – I live in Far Rockaway. The pipe water is disgusting. I understand. Like, it's so bad. But you and can also get a Brita. I, I am once I get to a new place. I, 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 I know it's terrible, but it's cheaper just to buy the water bottle instead. And it's hard because plastic filter. is everywhere. I mean you look around your apartment or your home sometime, almost everything's made of – your television's made of plastic. Yeah. You know, your – all of your appliances, your computers made of plastic. Um, but I do try to reduce as much as possible, and I recycle everything. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's what it says on Ryan's grinder, probably. 
<laughs> Speaking of sluts, uh, okay, now this is a confusing story because it's about Jerry Falwell and a young man who's suing for defamation, but it is not the pool boy. Oh. I repeat, this is not Jerry Falwell Jr.'s former pool boy. This is another young man who was his tra- was Falwell's trainer. And he has filed a lawsuit against Reuters news service over an article it published in 2019. Remember that after the pool boy scandal came out, Reuters reported that Falwell gave this 23-year-old trainer whose name – for some reason it doesn't have his first name here. It just says Crosswhite. Something Crosswhite. Um, R- Falwell gave him a sprawling multi-million dollar 18-acre fitness facility that belonged to Liberty University plus an additional $650,000 for almost nothing in return. Shortly after the story broke, a weird video of Falwell and Crosswhite began circulating online. It showed the personal trainer holding a camera out in front of him while shouting at the evangelical leader to push it. <laughs> Stake it, you kite. Stake it, UK. Stake it, UK. As he huffed and puffed in response. The video first appeared on Crosswhite's Instagram page. It has since been deleted, but not before someone saved it and posted it to YouTube. Then came a picture of Crosswhite riding horseback at Falwell's ranch. The photo was posted to his own Instagram page, where it still remains. It included the caption, bucket list checkoff, riding a horse bareback while it swims in the lake. Hot. All of this, in addition to the Reuters story, had many people speculating about this a relationship between Crosswhite and Falwell, who, as you may recall, was also at the center of a sex scandal involving his wife and the former pool boy, whose name was something Granda. And I'm sorry I don't have the names here. Uh, anywho, according to the lawsuit, um, until – oh, his name is Ben, Ben Crosswhite. Until the lawsuit – uh, Crosswhite's lawyers say that Ben enjoyed an untarnished reputation as a personal trainer and businessman, but the Reuters article caused him um, scorn, ridicule, and public humiliation. The lawsuit goes on to state that there was nothing scandalous about the relationship with the Falwells and claims that Reuters deliberately or recklessly conveyed a false implication that he was another Falwell pool boy. Crosswhite is de- de- demanding that Reuters fork over nearly 10 million dollars in compensatory damages and punitive damages. Let me just say that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know whether or not Ben Crosswhite was anything more than a personal trainer to Falwell, but it is rather unusual to give your trainer a sprawling multi-million dollar 18-acre fitness facility and $650,000. Um, Unless you're giving good D, like extremely good D. I don't see no personal trainer ever again in their own goddamn studio. Thank you. And also, the article didn't say that the guy had had sex with the Falwells. It didn't say that he was a hustler. It didn't say anything but facts. And so I think this has no merit. I don't think he's going to win a dime. To win a, a libel lawsuit, First of all, the information published has to be false, and the publication has to have known it was false when they published it or not done the work to, to verify it. And right. Reuters is, you know, Reuters is as reliable as the Associated Press. Like, they don't just print shit. So I don't think this is going to go anywhere. I think this is a money grab and he's going to lose, but we shall see. Uh, but again, just so we are not sued, Ben Crosswhite was not the pool boy. I think his name was Giancarlo Granda. Um, Could you imagine if we got sued? 
I mean, that would be high comedy. It could happen. We don't have a lot of money. We could basically give them our Blue Chew money. <laughs> Thank you, Blue Chew. Here's a hundred dollars. <laughs> our entire bank account. We'll give you our buttholes. That's right. That's Listen, about it. I'll service him uh, if that's part of the uh, penalty. Plea deal. Meanwhile, a professional athlete has come out. It is. I don't know why I just hit the bell. It's a, a, B- queen. a BMX pro named Corey Walsh. 27-year-old biking champ and spokesperson for Vans Sneakers. Hmm. He uh, stands as one of the very few professional bikers in the world to come out as LGBTQ. In an emotional Instagram post, he revealed how he struggled with his sexuality for years before finally going public. He wrote, quote, if you were to tell me a year ago today that today was going to be the day when I said, fuck it and let the world in on my personal life, I would have told you that it's never going to happen. But thanks to the support of family, friends, and sponsors, I can finally accept the fact that I am gay and be Mm -hmm. open about it. Corey. He went on to say, a huge thank you to anyone else who has previously opened up to tell their story. The only reason I haven't, uh, the only reason I've gotten to this point is because of you. Holy shit, that feels good. I'm stoked. I don't know a lot about BMX. I'm not sure. Do they compete? Is it a race? I I don't know. It's, it's like tricks and stuff. Yeah, it's like Tony Hawk skating crap. Yeah. He, the boy's 20 years old and... He's cute. No, 27. He's 27? Mm-hmm. Oh. Ugh, 27. Why is that he, disappointing to you, Jay? Okay, no. His, <laughs> like his, okay, here's why it's disappointing to me. Because he still looks like he hasn't got his life together. Like, I'm looking at these pictures. He looks like a scary boy who hasn't got his life together and you want to make bad decisions. He was but I am boy. too grown to make bad decisions. I'm looking for someone who knows what they're doing in life, who doesn't like a hot mess, because I am a hot mess. I don't need another I hot mess. I think you're being very uh, presumptuous about this person. <laughs> I know. Uh, All he did was come out. I, no, no. I, I'm, first of all, I'm glad he came out. Glad, glad he came out. He just and twenty seven's not that late. It's not like he came out at sixty. No, I just thought okay for the way he looks. I just thought he was younger. I was like, okay, okay, he's a young... He does have a youthful... Yeah. My problem is he's 27 years old, and he still looks like he lives with three other roommates. Well, in any case, I think it's great <laughs> that he came out. It's, JB it's is good, coming in hot. It's good for any kind of, you know... This, BMX, as far as I know, is very much like a straight guy thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, they, I love your little rainbow tattoo on your bicep, oh, thank you. I don't always see that. Um, I, I think it's wonderful to have representation among all sports and good for him for doing this, especially because he's a spokesperson for Vans, which yeah, that's a pretty big deal, right? A lot of people sure. buy Vans yeah. sneakers. So good for him. Good Despite ball. JB's uh, trashing you. Oh, my God. There's Congratulations, nothing, Corey. Sir, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm glad you came out. Welcome to the community. You're beautiful. Your You're a model. <laughs> Did you stone that bicycle? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was on a podcast, which – you know, leads me to want to invite her on our oh podcast. Oh my God, that would be she, she was on a podcast called Hot Takes and Deep Dives. And Rosie's always been, you know, very plain spoken. Like she just kind of says the truth and doesn't really give a shit about any repercussions. So they asked, the host asked her about her friendship with Whitney Houston. Mm. And she had some really interesting things to say, particularly about Whitney's struggle with her own homosexuality. Take a listen to this. You were close friends with Robin Crawford. No, I know Robin. I wasn't close friends, but we we sat near each other at the WNBA games. We had some mutual friends in common. I knew she was Whitney's partner. She knew I was gay. We were like, you know, um, but we didn't like hang out together. But there was one party that we were there to get. I was there that she and Whitney were at and um, in New York City, I believe it was. And that's where I met Robin. 
you know, I don't know. It's not like gay people meet each other and they all of a sudden, you know, like, and Whitney was troubled by, I think, the gay part of her life and, um, you know, didn't want it exposed. And it's hard in, in black culture to accept gayness. It's, it's culturally more difficult, I think. Yes. And so she was, and you know, the, the church, Catholic church thing, the Baptist church, whatever that weighed heavily on her growing up in the church and gospel and singing. And, you know, I think that there was a lot of conflict about that. Mm. Rosie also spoke about um, the time that Whitney was supposed to appear on Rosie's daytime talk show and missed the appearance. She says Whitney at that time was really in a downward spiral with drugs, and it was obvious to anyone who was watching her. There was a horrible performance on the AMAs or something. Do you remember that? She was so skinny. She looked so much like an addict. She had produced Cinderella for Brandy. Um, The whole hour of Rosie's show was her and Brandy on Cinderella, and then Whitney doesn't even show up for it. So this is still Rosie talking. So I said to her crew, who was already there, Mm. this is on all of you. Because when she dies, everyone's going to ask, why didn't you do something? I was actually um, just watching the Brandy Cinderella, um, which is such a masterpiece. Yeah. And it really made me miss Whitney. You know, she she is one of the, the greatest musical artists of all time. And it's just, I mean, it's been almost a decade. Did it's you know been 10 they, years. Did didn't record a soundtrack to that movie? Oh. That was a yeah. huge That's crazy. mistake. Uh, here's okay, because uh, I, I I was really into that too. I was like, why why wasn't it such a big thing as it should have been? Like, why was the soundtrack? They was like, oh, they want to give a bunch of niggas money to make to make a soundtrack. They they barely want to give them money to make this movie, but then realized it was a big a big hit. And Whitney was such a big pusher yes. for this movie. Yeah, and I was just like, wow, for her to put her name, for her to like push Brandy and get her stuff, and they was like shooting them down. I understand why Whitney did drugs because I would do drugs too. I was a producer and th- I was a producer for my theater club and the theater teachers didn't want nothing to do with us and tried to shoot us down all the time. And it's hard work when you have no one on your side who wants to help you accomplish a dream or put on something that you want to see. And th- all of all of what she went through plus this, this uh, additional factor of her being gay and not being like not having come to terms with that. There's just so much you can just, you can look back and, and see that this is someone that was really tortured by her own tortured. existence. I think both she and Michael Jackson mm-hmm. were in the same situation. They were both these enormously talented people who had so many people pulling on them in different directions yep. and who also both struggled with their sexuality. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. Michael Jackson was not a heterosexual man. He was either a gay man or he was specifically a pedophile or both. But both, neither of them were able to just be who they were. Right. And I think when, when you're not allowed to be who you are, regardless of whether you're famous or not, that puts you in an impossible situation where you're going to self-destruct. And the fact that they both died decades before they should have. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it, it robbed the world of so much great art, but it also robbed both of them of, of having like a healthy life. Like what if, what if people had just said, okay, be, be a lesbian. Be with Robin. Yeah. Be happy. Yeah. She probably would still be alive. She yeah. may not have a career, but she'd be alive and happy. Yeah. And it's just so t- tragic, especially in the case of Whitney. What a talent. Yeah. I, um, I, I can't bring myself mm-hmm. to watch um, 
any of those documentaries. The documentary um, "Can I Be Me" is really devastating, yeah. but also worth watching. Yeah, I, and, and and is very honest about the the gay stuff. Um, in any case, speaking of gay talk show hosts, mm. Ellen DeGeneres is back in the news. You're a mean one, Ellen <laughs> As we covered on this show, she started this season of her talk show with an apology. And uh, apparently um, a huge number of people tuned in for the apology. But ever since then, uh, Ellen has lost more than a million viewers. She averages now one and a half million uh, viewers per episode. That's down from 2.6 million during the same period last year. Um, the show's loss translates to a 43% decline. That's a much steeper drop off than any of her competitors. Um, she is no longer, her show is no longer in the same league as Dr. Phil, which has two and a half million, live with Kelly and Ryan, which has 2.7 million. Does anyone, does anyone know anyone who watches that show? Does anyone still watch a Kelly and Ryan? Does anyone remember laughter? Um, it's actually getting into Maury Povich and Kelly Clarkson territory. Even Tamron Hall has 1.1 million. Oh my God. And that's a That's shit embarrassing show. for Ellen. Yeah. So um, this includes a decline in her core audience, which is adult women under 54. It's put a dent in the show's ad revenue. People are just not feeling Ellen anymore. And, and you know, the reason why is because her whole brand was Be Kind. Right. Which we've now, you know, we now know is not uh, what she practices. Um, but the thing is, look, this show was groundbreaking when it first premiered. Sure. almost 20 years ago and it's probably you know in in, it's in run the its end, course right and what's interesting you mentioned kelly clarkson it seems like nbc is kind of grooming kelly clarkson to take over that sort of like that the ellen slot i love uh, kelly clarkson <laughs> i love kelly clarkson as a vocalist i think she's lovely wonderful but i don't necessarily see her in uh, like, I don't see her filling the, the Ellen void, even though Ellen, you know, is whatever, problematic. Have you watched Kelly Clarkson's I've show? seen the commercials. The commercials are so cringy, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I, haven't, I haven't watched a full episode, but every time I see a commercial, I just, I'm like, this does not look, I mean, it just looks sloppy and kind of like, but so does Ellen's show, to be honest. Listen, so, I, I haven't know. watched a talk show on a regular basis since Oprah left. Oprah really? was the only talk show I ever really cared about. And, yeah. and any time I was home and it was on, I was watching it. Were you silenced? Wait, are you silent or are you silenced? <laughs> I just had to get that During out. During her Meghan and Harry yeah. interview. Uh, I fucking loved Oprah. And I still love Oprah. If Oprah brought her talk show back today, I'd be right yeah. there ready for Well, it. Rosie's – I mean, speaking of Rosie, her talk show was amazing. It was a good show. I mean, especially for Broadway uh, performances. As Ms. DeGeneres fights through a loss in popularity, she has turned to celebrity friends to help her make the case that there isn't really a difference between on-camera Ellen and the real Ellen. Uh, Michelle Obama was a virtual guest last week, and she spoke warmly about the time she went to Ms. DeGeneres' house and they played a piano duet together. Another recent guest, Jennifer Garner, who appeared remotely, raced to her hotel uh, balcony 
at the host's request who would tell passersby how much she adored Ellen. I love her, Ms. Garner shouted. She's kind. She's a humanitarian. She loves animals. So she's really kind of desperately trying to win back her popularity. But I do think it's run its course. Yeah. Um, it not to take away from what she accomplished. She no. basically took over from Oprah when yeah. Oprah's show left. Definitely. And she made being an out lesbian talk show host a totally normal thing, which it never had been before. You know, in the beginning, they thought no one would watch this because who's going to watch an out gay woman? Right. All these Midwestern housewives. But it turns out they fucking loved her until they didn't. I think Ellen should end the show and then just take voiceover gigs. She just did. Well, she certainly doesn't need any money ever. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I think, I think, it's, I think it's okay to say, you know what? I've had this great career. Um, and, and just or go back to stand up. Her stand up's amazing. Yeah, do one stand up show every five years, and I'm sure she'll be fine. Ellen, if you're listening, can I just say like, okay, it's nice to hear all these celebrities saying nice things about Ellen. But when we read about Ellen being mean, it was to regular people. Right? Why don't she be nice to well, regular that's, fucking that's people? That's been what people have been saying all along. It's well, like we don't care how you treat Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah they're gods in their own communities. Treat treat us treat us mortals with respect and shit. Agreed. Now, uh, while JB gets our guest on the phone, we're going to do a story that's actually dedicated to JB. We did this already two weeks ago. No, that was about the special pride issue. Mm. Of DC? Of DC. Okay. Now, DC is proposing an all-queer version of the Justice League. Yeah. Oh, so this is different. Okay, gotcha. Uh, readers will vote on a number of potential titles they would like the company to basically turn queer. Uh, actually, let me read that again. Uh, it's called the DC Round Robin. Readers will vote on a number of potential titles they want from the company with the winner hitting newsstands later this year. One of these potential titles is Justice League Queer. A brief plot synopsis describes the story as eight young queer heroes investigating a series of monstrous manifestations around the world and discover that something much more terrifying is coming. Is it Donald Trump's second term? Well, anyone... Uh, I just made that up. While online interest has already begun to swell around the possibility of a new queer superhero team, Justice League Queer still has some stiff competition. <laughs> the potential book is one of the 16 possible titles under consideration by DC. Others include Green Lanterns, Underworld on Fire, a team-up between Green Lantern characters Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner, Suicide Squad 7, Paws Off, The Justice League, which would follow the adventures of Super Pets, the animal companions <laughs> of Superman, Batman, etc. I love super pets. Um, Robins, a story in which all of the former Robins meet up to tell stories about their adventures. So basically <laughs> the queer version is competing with all these other ideas. So if you're, um, you know, if you're a gay DC Comics fan, a queer DC Comics fan, and you want to see this, I don't even know where you're supposed to go. There must be some DC website. Go, go to the site. Go to the place. Um, and we will have to wait until next week to talk about RuPaws, the drag cat who recreates iconic loops, because it is now time for our guest segment. And our guest today made a splash on season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. The talented performer and designer also appeared on Saturday Night Live with Katy Perry in her iconic performance of Swish Swish and on the cover of New York Magazine. She's also hosted her own YouTube series, Bootleg Opinions. Take a listen. 
Okay. I feel like there's so much going on around the face. I wish the pieces around her face were smaller so we can see more of her face. I feel like uh -huh. it's so big that it's covering the lower part of her face. Okay. And I wish that there was more feathers coming out of that headpiece so that it's more dramatic and I wish the details of the feathers will come up pointing up rather than just dropping down. Because when it's down, I always feel like it's sad. Right. But when it's up, it's like, bam, powerful. And joining us all the way from right here in New York City, please give a warm-ass welcome to Yuha Hamasaki! Hello, Adam! How are you on this beautiful Saturday coming to you from New York City? I am fabulous, darling. And actually, it's going to be Ryan who interviews you because he is the uh, the RuPaul expert on this show. I am the, I am the RuPaul Ooh. correspondent of the Adam Sink Show, and I am so excited to be doing this interview with you. Thank you for joining us. How are you, my love? Fabulous. How how have you been during this past year of the pandemic? How have things been going for you? Um, four letters. Home. <laughs> yes. Home. Yes. Like like many people, you are at home. Um, what have you been What have you been working on? Have you been doing um, digital drag? I know you you have bootleg opinions, which we'll talk about in in a little bit. But uh, how have you been keeping busy at home? You know, honestly, I've just been playing with makeup. I think drag has you know, this expression that we all kind of play with, you know, it kind of gives me that freedom and it's almost like vacation for me. So I've been just doing a lot of digital home drag. That's amazing. Now, you you said on, on your season, on the show, that you, um, you moved to New York from China when you were young and you started doing drag, also very young. Who were some of the first queens to give you a gig, uh, you know, early inspirations? And what was it like for you coming up in the New York City drag scene? Um, coming up was a lot easier because I could think there's less queens back then, but now there's like a thousand of us. Mm -hmm. So I would say it was a lot easier back then. Um, back then, there weren't that many. There was Head of Lettuce, there was uh, Coco Peru, there was Lady Bunny, mm -hmm. there was Asa Betty, um, there was Peppermint, definitely, and Shaquita. Uh, all amazingly talented queens. Yes, they are. And um, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're still they're still hitting the pavement, so to speak. Um, and uh, and before you were on RuPaul's Drag Race, you like many New York City queens did a lot of um, television gigs. Um, you know, as as the drag queen, uh, which you know back in the day that was pretty much the only role that drag queens could play on TV shows was a, mm -hmm. the role of a drag queen or you know a sex worker or, or whatever, but. Um, did that TV stuff, did that prepare you at all for being on set for Drag Race? What, what was the, the similarities and differences between those experiences? Um, uh, it did prepare me a little bit more, I would say, because I think what we see on TV, usually the viewer assumes that, oh, it's an hour, and then you're there for an hour, but it's a lot longer than that. Like, an hour episode, you see, is like, I don't know, two, three days of work. I mean, even setting up the lights, you already know, like, it's going to be two, three hours. So that prepared me a little bit. And also to just act up for the camera, because if it's not on, it's not recording, nobody's going to know. Mm -hmm. Is that the hardest part, you was just kind of sitting around waiting? Yeah, I would say so, because wearing wigs, wearing heels, wearing pads, wearing corsets, Whereas if you're just a regular actor and, you know, regular actress, no disrespect to them, but, like, you're not sitting there with corsets and a heavy wig on, you know? It's a lot easier. Right. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's, um, it's important to note that 
you know, like drag queens in entertainment are are it's it's often been said that drag queens don't get the same treatment as actors as far as like you know um dressing room you know like having catering catering and and there's sometimes you know you are expected to be your own makeup artist your own hair person it's i mean there's so much work that goes into putting together your drag persona and you know a lot of times for the actors they just show up sit in a chair get their wardrobe and so yeah, you're whatever you're putting, whatever amount of time you're putting in on set, you're adding like two, three hours on top of that just to get in the gig. Right. Even with auditions, like now I'm a heated girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you expect us to get in full drag and makeup and costumes and heels and show up? And then the actors who don't have to get into drag shows up with their shirt on. Right. You know? Right. Why can't we just show up without our makeup and then you see our photos and, you know, kind of go from there, you know, or pay us a little bit extra just to show up for the audition or at least cover our freaking Ubers. Uh, that, that to me is like when I hear about drag queens not getting paid for gigs, it's like at least pay for the Uber because it's so it's so like I mean, I applaud and salute every New York City queen that rides the subway to their gigs um, and just does the damn thing, but you know it's it's not always safe. And I think that I think that uh, uh, an Uber should be included in in the contract always. Um, yeah, honestly, that has to change. And even sometimes getting paid with drink tickets. I mean, I still hear girls getting paid with drink tickets. That's just you know it's got to change. That um, disrespectful. I want to say that you think that you can pay someone with just drink tickets. I mean, like. You don't go to your landlord and say, hey, I'm paying my rent today with <laughs> drink tickets, you know. They right. want money. You know, right. Yuha, it's even worse for stand-up comedians because not only do we often get paid in drink tickets, but we don't make tips the way you guys do. Oh, yeah, definitely. Nobody definitely. tips our asses. You know, they, 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 they just don't view talents the same thing as, you know, with someone who works as an accountant, you know, or a lawyer. They just think that, oh... We're doing it as a hobby, so... Or even really a bartender. You know, if you're a bartender or a waitstaff person, you get paid, as you should. You know, they, yeah. they, they work very hard and they deserve to be paid. But it's the drag queen or the comedian or the singer who's getting people to come out to the bar that night to, to, to socialize and buy those drinks. So, you know, you need to pay that person, too. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, they see us doing it as a hobby and they just think that, oh, we're just going to do it for free, you know. But no, really, it's a job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Drag Race. And I mean, when you were on the show, it was the 10th season. And there definitely was a turning point, I would say, around season nine, once the show moved from Logo to VH1. And um, I think season 10 was definitely sort of one of the strongest seasons we've seen in a long time. And um, I'm just wondering for you, because I know you auditioned a few times before getting on season 10. What was your perception of the drag race experience from you know other queens that you knew that had been on the show what was what was your understanding of the experience versus what it was actually like when you got there and you were competing on the show um it's hard to say because the queens that i've heard from like their experiences and stuff was back when it was still on logo mm -hmm. so the platform and the, the channel was a little bit smaller whereas with vh1 it's a lot bigger so i can't really you know, kick what they say 100%, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. Because the experience is completely different. And uh, the experience now is a lot more different, even now in 20, what, 
2012? What year are we in? 2020. 2021. Flip the numbers, but yes. What year is it? What day is it? I don't know. Oh my God. I almost said 2014. Um, (laughs) 2021. Is it 2021? Yeah, 2021. Because, you know, before I would write dates down, like in the forms and stuff, but now it's just like all telephones and iPhones now telling us what day it is. I know. I kind of got lost for a second. I wish it was 2012. In 2021, now the fandom is completely different now. You know, it's a lot younger, mm-hmm. and then it's uh, reaching a lot of places that I haven't gone back in 2009 when it was still back on Logo in season one. So it's hard to say. For me, I would say that um, it's bigger, but also you have to speak in a much bigger platform, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you can't say certain things you can get away with if you are, you know, in a dive bar at 3 a.m. Right. Whereas now, the world is watching you. If you say something that is not liking to someone, you're going to get dragged on social media. So it's a lot bigger. So you have to think of it as like, you're almost speaking like you're the president of the United States. You know? <laughs> oh my God. I know. And it, it's funny because, um, I recently, uh, listened to a podcast, um, where Bianca, uh, Del Rio was talking about how, you know, as a New York city queen, when, when she was coming up, it was like, Drag queens were all nasty, rude, you know, cunty characters um, that you would find at night. And they were never known to be nice. And now there's yeah. this expectation that, you know, especially when you're on the show. And, and they, they recently talked about this in, in one of the recent episodes from the season. It's like there's this they, people who go on the show now, the queens, they are they're so in their head because they're thinking about how they're going to be perceived, how they're going to be edited. There's, there's such a... Did you see Bianca's tweet the other day? She was like, if you tweet inspiring things and I know that you're a cunt (laughs) and you're just trying to make yourself look good for all stars, I'm going to call you out. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) – it's like I think that that's something that um, we got a lot more in the earlier seasons was like some real authenticity where people were acting like drag queens and not afraid um, you know, of of a 13-year-old in um, Ohio somewhere – um, calling them all sorts of names. We're going to talk about the fandom in a little bit, but I wanted to ask you about Bootleg Opinions, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, what what inspired you to create that show? What 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 made you want to do your own review show? I was like, I think it was back in 2018. Yeah, it was 2018. I was like, I'm bored. Let's do something. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something. I'm bored. Um. I know sewing and I know styling. I know how to make these garments. So why not? Yeah. Cause you've actually made, you make a lot of um, garments for other New York city Queens um, and celebrities. Oh, and celebrities, of course. Celebrity <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you have something that you do that I really like um, on your show is um, you, you, when you critique the, the look, you also, um, add suggestions of your own of what you would do to make it better, and you use like a, a visual aspect, which I which I think is great. Um, have you heard any feedback from your uh, Rue Girl sisters about um, you know anything that you've said about their looks on the show? Um, positively or negatively? <laughs> Both. Um, positively, yes. You know, I would tag them and stuff on social media, like, oh, I like your look. If I don't like it, I don't tag them. You know, because I don't want to be like one of those. People that's like dragging them. Sure, know, sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, 
I think nowadays it, it's, it's, you are speaking from a place of experience, not only as a seasoned queen, but you've been on the show. So it's not like you're just some random person, you know, spewing out, uh, their opinions you're you're someone that has an understanding of the art form of drag and specifically of being on rupaul's drag race so um you know i think that you you have the right to you know say what you want to say um yeah. i, I want to also i would see oh i'm sorry oh no, no go on and also i would see like their look change based on like what we mentioned on the show so i think that's a positive you know that they take into consideration you're making them better i'm making them um what do you call it uh Sure, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> Less hideous. Here, but we'll keep that for private conversation. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, we, we, we were briefly speaking about the the fandom uh, before. And, you know, over the past couple of years, the RuPaul's Drag Race fandom has really become so much more toxic than any other television show fandom ever. Um, you know, specifically with, racism and um just bullying and you know i just i i wonder what you think about uh, world of wonder has made some attempts to combat um the racism against queen of queens of color specifically i'm wondering if you think that they have done enough and if you could give advice to a queen of color who is going to compete on a on an upcoming season of the show what you would say to them as far as how you deal with these, these the haters, the haters. And have you experienced any anti-Asian hate from, from the fandom at all? I would say just continue being yourself. You were selected out of thousands and thousands of applicants. RuPaul chose you for a reason. Keep being you and you'll be fine. And honestly, it's what you do with it. Honestly, I really believe that, you know, your placement on the show, how you were edited or if you win or not, it's what you do with it. Because we've seen a lot of queens that have gone pretty far in the competition, you know, and they don't do anything with it. And, you know, they're back doing what they were doing before Drag Race. And then there's queens that have gone home early or didn't make it that far or didn't even win. It's, they're, they're channeling it. They're doing it, you know. And I want to say with the racism and the fandom, yes, I think it is there. And I think that I'm glad they're speaking up about it and more queens are speaking up about it because I think maybe back like a few years ago, um, the queens weren't aware of it as much. I think even on season seven, some queens mentioned, oh, they didn't realize how bad the fans were treating their queens of color until they saw the actual messages in person, mm -hmm. in their DMs. Mm -hmm. So I think it was um, awakening moment for all of us. Definitely. Um, if... And when you get the call for All-Stars, um, who else would you like to see in the workroom with you competing for uh, that place in the uh, Drag Race Hall of Fame? Um, it's weird because for me right now, maybe if you asked me like a few years ago, who would you want to uh, see on All-Stars? I would be like, who would you want to see competing with you on All-Stars? I'd be like, mm, the best of the best. Now I'm just like, let me just have someone that I get along with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone I get along with, someone that's going to make it a good time, someone that's going to make it like a really fun summer boot camp vacation for me where we're going to have fun, we're going to talk a lot of gossip, we're going to just do drag without being pressured or feeling stressed. 
I would say Laganja's up there. I would say Fifi's up there. Rock'em Sakura's up there. Yes. Um, I would say Envy, Peru, Sugarcane, Honey Davenport, all those yes. things that I get along with and worked with before outside of Drag Race. We, lo- we love Honey. We've had her on the show. Yeah. And my, my last love question, um, since, you know, every season we, we, we get a bunch of queens from New York, which is amazing. Are there any local queens um, that you would like to see on future seasons? Anyone you want to give a shout out to? Me! I'm so local! I'm <laughs> so to get on Drag Race. Anybody have the producer's numbers? I'm just kidding. I would say, let's see. I would say Pixie Aventura. She's yes, awesome. yes. I don't know if y'all have ever seen her. Absolutely. Yeah, she's dancer. great. Amazing. Amazing. Post, amazing look. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, Jasmine Rice LaBeja. She's awesome. Amazing she's queen. She can sing. And who else? Baby Lady Bunny. But I don't think she wants to back on. <laughs> Too old. And too much yeah. of a Bernie bro. Uh, well, I want to say this was Ryan's first time ever conducting an interview, and you did an amazing job. Thank you, Adam. And I think uh, part of why it went so well is because Yuha is such an interesting and candid guest. So I want to thank both of you for that fabulous interview. And now, Yuha, as I warned you, it is time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. All right. We'll start with an easy one. Who are your top three favorite fashion designers? Um, Jean Paul Gaultier, Christian Dior, and uh, uh, the Blondes. The who? The Blondes. The oh, I Blondes. I don't know who that is. Yeah, you've oh, probably. I don't know that they're um they're mainly in New York. Well, they, I think they're all over the world actually, but they are based in New York, and they've actually made a lot of outfits and corsets, especially back in the day for uh, Paris Hilton, and on and on and on. Oh, fabulous. Uh, what was your favorite drag race moment from your season? From my season. Don't have your cigarette, bitch. Oh, my God. The epic <laughs> fight. I- iconic. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to bedroom activities, which of the following would you describe yourself as? Are you a kitten, a dog, a pig, or a lioness? I'm a lioness, baby. Hair out, wind blowing, Arr. making growling voices. Mm. That's exciting. Are you, uh, are you a versatile? What's your preferred position? What's my position? Um, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I just lay there and you do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> we are very much alike. My favorite thing, actually, is to watch Netflix while someone's fucking me. Netflix and chill. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. You can uh, lick me. You can kiss me. You can, I don't know, do whatever you want. I'm on my phone. I'm watching TV. I'm doing my emails. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I find that very titillating. Uh, Speaking of which, what is the most sensitive spot on your body? A sensitive spot? I love my feet massage, believe it or not. It doesn't turn me on, but like... Just so good. I mean, we all love our feet massage, but I mean, like, what's the spot where if, if um, someone touches you, you you just completely, you know, get moist? Um, uh, let me think about this. If you asked me this when I was younger, I would probably say my neck, but now that I'm older, like, I'm jaded. Like, everything's just, like, overused. I'm just numb. Like, <laughs> I'm numb, I guess. I'm overused. <laughs> I think like I'm when a, a machine goes out of order, like being used too much, it's just, it's just done. I think Reboot. I think neck might be my answer, but also taint. Mm. Yes. Oh, my ears! My ears! I forgot about that. Yes, mm-hmm. ears are good, 
basically anything but my nipples. I have no feeling in me them either. whatsoever. Yeah, me either. I actually hate my nipples being touched. Right? I feel like you're entering my body. You're entering my soul. You're just like ripping me open. No. Well, no. it's it's fine if someone does it gently, but when you get those guys who like to really bite or squeeze the nipples, I'm like, no, that's not doesn't feel good. Yeah, yeah, I would say that too. No but, to nipples. But I feel like half of all uh, gay guys fucking love it, like it's their favorite thing in the world, and the other half are like us, and we're like, eh, doesn't feel like anything. Yes, most guys even love it when you know I squeeze it or pinch it. I don't ha- know how they like it, but you know, if you like it, I'll do it. <laughs> that's a good motto. Um, speaking of which, you had describe your perfect man. The perfect man, okay. Good hygiene. Yes. Stable job. Not a job like, you know, you're still trying to find your, you know, yourself. A job where you're enjoying, you're bringing income. A career. I don't want to be paying for our meal. Yes. I want to be you paying for your meal, I pay for mine. Or sometimes I pay for yours, sometimes you pay for mine. Um, taller than me, not hard, since I'm only five foot three and three quarters. Oh, so cute. And... Someone knows how to cook. Oh, really? Yeah, so we can save some money. So you want someone who can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan? Yeah. I don't mind doing the cooking and bringing the money, too, but it has to go both ways. So other than tall, is there a particular physical type that you look for? Do you like hairy? Do you like smooth? Do you like huge dick? Do you like normal dick? What's, what's your thing? It doesn't matter to me because I slept around so much that I believe that now... When I'm older now, <laughs> I just want someone that I can relate to, someone I can talk to. I don't care if you're hairy. I don't care if you're, um, uh, if you're smooth. I don't care if you're big or small. I don't care at all. If you've got a nice smile, if you have good hygiene, if you can do all those things that I mentioned, we're good. Because and- I think that beauty comes in all forms, you know? Like, if you can be smooth and still be cute. If you can be hairy and still be cute, you know, you can be a different body shape and still be cute. You can be different races and you still can be cute. That's very healthy attitude. Would you date yeah. another drag queen? If I knew that they didn't do drag or if they did drag along the way after we met, because if I met you as a drag queen already, we're sisters, we're family and it just feels like incest. You know what I mean? Sister Dick will make you sick. I feel that way yeah. about I feel that way about other Jewish guys. Like when I meet a Jewish guy, even if he's really cute and charming, I feel like he's my brother immediately. I d- I'm not attracted. Yeah. So like, if I knew that you do drag, like, no, we're sisters already. Like, we're about to, you know, do each other's hair and makeup and not sleep in each other's beds. But if I find out along the way you're a cute guy and then you do drag too, I'd be like, okay, cool. And if you're a guy and we end up doing drag along the way, sure, I'm okay with this because I still met you outside of drag. We're not related yet. Right. Where did your drag name come from? Well, Yuhua is my real name, Yuhua, and then Hamasaki comes from the Japanese pop singer, Ayumi Hamasaki. She's like the Madonna of the age. Yes. I, when I was Googling you to do some research, she came up and I was like, oh, I bet there's a connection there. You saw the photo, you were like, oh my gosh, she's actually prettier online. And then you realize, oh, it's just a real woman. <laughs> no, I think you're prettier, actually. Aw, you're drunk already? But, she- <laughs> but she's a better singer. Aw, uh, thank you, though. <laughs> you have s- say something filthy to us in Chinese. Um, Zodi, that means like, you whore. <laughs> say it again. Zodi. Believe it or not, me and my sister used to call each other that growing up. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Stop. 
the only thing I can say is Mer- uh, the only thing I can say is Merry Christmas. How do you say it for me? Uh, say it again? Is that good? I didn't get it, but say it again. Maybe I, you said it too fast. <laughs> Shandong, Kwai Le. Shandong. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. You are one note off. You got it. God damn it. Uh, Yuha, who do you think is the best drag race winner of all time? Um, RuPaul herself. Oh, good, safe answer. <laughs> yes. She's still gunning for that many, spot on All Stars, I honey. Fa- um, I can name a few favorites. I would say um, Raja's up there. Yes. I would say Bianca's up there. Yes. Um, Pop's up there. Not for her luck, but she's up there. <laughs> hey. Um, T. Yuha, uh, we- up there for her luck. I'm sorry. We are we're just about out of time. I love you. Thank you so much for doing the show. How can thank people you, follow you online? All right. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, y'all. How, wait. How can people follow you? Oh, sorry, Miss that. You can follow me at Yuha on all platforms. Thank you so much. Thank you, Please come back when you can be in studio. We'd love to see you. I'd love to see you too in person. All right, baby. Take care. Ryan and JB, please plug yourselves. You can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me only on Stocking Anarchy 12 only on Instagram. Thank you both so much. Tune in next week to hear a brand new ass with our special guest, comedian Aaron Berg. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamsank. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.